0: I'll do anything. I mean, I've bungee jumped, I swam across the top of the Zambezi in flood. Mm. I've jumped out of airplanes. I mean, yeah. you can't scare me with things yeah. like that. It takes just as much effort to make a million rand as it takes to make one rand. Mm. So as Mr. Benson says, go big or go
1: home, mm. you know. Thanks for clicking play on the number one podcast show for business owners in South Africa. My name is Manus Pruderek and this is season number three of Making SMEs Matter. This season we'll be chatting to some of South Africa's top entrepreneurs, guys and girls who have built some of South Africa's biggest brands and companies. And if you're building a company of your own or you have dreams of becoming a successful entrepreneur one day, then this podcast show is going to inspire you and bring you valuable lessons that you can use in your own business. I wanna give a special thank you to Investec Business Cash Solutions, the team that has helped us bring you this podcast. Make sure you join our mailing list at SME.africa forward slash podcast. Buckle your seatbelts. This episode is full of a lot of energy. My guests didn't have any money growing up She only tasted Coca-Cola for the first time when she was 18 years old, eventually started a business, 10 years later, lost everything. Started again and then generated more than 200 million rand last month. She's the founder of Hershe's, and her name is Margaret Hirsch. It was an incredible discussion. She was telling me about why she's got so much energy. She's sleeping four hours a night. She's on a vegan diet. She says she's got no fear because of that and a whole lot of other interesting things. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Hi,
0: it's Sean Jackson from Investec Business Cash Solutions, proud sponsor of Making SMEs Matter. Our aim is to partner with you in order to understand your business's unique cash flows to grow and maximize the return on your cash. I hope you enjoy this episode filled with valuable insights from our featured entrepreneur.
1: I'm sitting with a very special lady and yes, it's a lady. We always find it so difficult to find great women entrepreneurs because men are arrogant. They always want to come onto the podcast. They offer to be here, but... Girls are just hustling in the background, building great businesses, and it's not always easy to find them. But I'm sitting with a very special lady by the name of Margaret Hirsch, and she's the co-founder of Hirsch's. Margaret, thank you so much for joining me.
0: Thank you for inviting me.
1: We uh, recently had an event where you spoke, and, um, and our people just loved you. Uh, they absolutely loved you. We got so many messages, so many great um, feedback, and that's what we want to do today. You gave a keynote at our event, but today I just want to explore your journey. Uh, you've got so many golden nuggets that you shared at the event that I'd like to pull out of you for our, for our listeners and just explore your journey in building her uh, and being the woman that you are today and ultimately just helping our small businesses.
0: Yeah, so my journey started, I think if I had to think back, it started, well, it goes way back when my parents were South Africans and they went to Zimbabwe, which was Rhodesia in the old days, to make their fortune. They were young, they had no money, and they thought, we're going to go up there, it's the land of wealth and opportunity up there, so up they went. And I was born there way back in 1950, so it was just after the war and things were sort of very basic and, and... And um, five years later, my my mother had my brother. So it was a little made in heaven. It was just like a and Boone novel. They were madly in love. They had these two beautiful children. It was a country, up and coming country. Everything was going well. And my father got sick. And so we came back to South Africa. And when I was 10, he died. And I saw my mother thrown into a world where she couldn't cope. And I, I remember looking at her and thinking she was trying to deal with her grief. She had no money. She had no skills. She had nothing. And I just thought to myself as a 10-year-old who had to then take over the household that I would never let this happen to me. And that's why I work with women on a daily basis, all day, every day, because a lot of women find themselves in this situation. My mother was an adopted child. She was brought up by elderly parents. She was spoiled. She married the boy next door. He absolutely adored her. He spoiled her. And when he died, she just was thrown into a world. Her parents were now dead. He was gone, and she didn't know how to cope. And there's so many women like that through divorce or whatever that don't know how to cope. So my goal was to get out and show women that they can cope, that they don't have to rely on a man. Because a lot of women, especially as the young girls that I look after here, have blessers who are supposedly blessing them by looking after them. But what they're, in fact, doing is giving them food and accommodation in exchange for sex, which is a downhill spiral. So I try and teach those women that they can stand on their own feet that they don't have to have a man in their life. Because we come from a patriarchal society. You know, the man is the head of the house, the woman is subservient, she listens to him, and that's how it's always been. But times they are a changing And so, and even now I tell the girls, nowadays if you get a husband, you end up looking after him. You know so the whole thing's upside down, so that 's why I work with women, and I teach them that they don 't have to that they can do, stand on their own two feet and I literally do that from the poorest of the poor to the richest of the rich that women are women throughout. so I gave you the stats the other day sixty six percent of all the work done in the world is done by women, fifty percent of the food in the world is produced by women, but only ten percent of the salaries in the world are earned by women, and only one percent of the land in the world is owned by women. so I break the mold i 've always thought um, I love property so I I, I, to me, that's your biggest hedge against inflation. So if I'm going to teach other women, I can't teach other women to make money and to have money if I don't have it. So I went out and I made a lot myself first. I learned how to make money. I told you the other night, I believe that God gives you a little bit of money and he sees how you handle it. If you handle it well, he gives you more. If you waste it, he doesn't give you no more. He's not an idiot and he's not going to do that. So he just says, well, uh-uh, I'm not going to – then we go to the next person. And he sees so – I teach them how to to get a little bit of money and to build it back into their businesses. And I can teach them, I can take people with zero education. As you saw the pictures the other night, zero education out of the townships, and I teach them to cook and to make a living from cooking. I teach them about debits and credits. I teach them how to to work out their money, how to do their costings, and to make sure that they are making a profit. And I have amazing successes, yeah.
1: So that tool that you say that all women should be exposed to, is that entrepreneurship? And
0: Absolutely. I think today, and my saying always is you can work for a boss and make a, a, a living or you can work for yourself and make a fortune. I was a trained shorthand typist. And if I was the best shorthand typist in the whole of Joburg, the maximum I could possibly earn would be 100,000 rand a month. Last month, I earned over 200 million. So the difference is not a little. It's huge. You know, it's absolutely huge if you work for yourself, but you, it's hard work. Yeah. Why do most people not work for themselves? One, they haven't got confidence in themselves. And if you haven't got confidence in yourself to employ yourself, well, how on earth do you expect somebody else to do that? Mm. You've got to have confidence that you are hardworking. I mean, people phone me and say, give me a job, and if I don't have a job for them, I say, but why don't you employ yourself? Why do I me to employ you? You can employ yourself. Yeah. Oh, but I don't want to work too hard and he's going to pay me when I'm sick. So I said, well, that's exactly why I won't give you the job because I don't want to pay you when you're not coming to work. And, I, you know, and if you don't think that you're going to work hard enough to earn the money, you know, today people don't realise that in exchange for a salary, you've got to give value. I'll tell you a story. I was sitting in my um, store in Amschlange and this very attractive girl comes up to me, but she's she's got low-cut top and low-slung jeans, beautiful hair and big earrings and her, and she says, I'm looking for a job. And I said to her, sit down, my girl. I said, look at yourself. I said, a woman's not going to give you a job because you look better than her. And a man's not going to give you a job because he's going to have unclean thoughts. So you're not going to get a job. And she sat down. She burst into tears. And she said, I've been looking for a job for two years, and I never knew one. I wasn't getting one. So I said, well, let me tell you, because you can't go around looking for a job like that. She said, well, what should I do? I said, no, you're going to have to think of that one, because I've teach you to fish. I'm not going to give you the fish. So she's, she lived in Kwamashu in Durban, and she's walking home, and she's feeling very downcast. She's looking down, kicking the stones, and as she looked up, she saw her neighbour worked for SAA, and there were SAA um, uniforms hanging on the line, and they were brand new. So she knocked on the door, and she said to the neighbour, where where's your old uniforms?" She said, they're in the box under the bed. She said, can I have them? She said, yes. And the next day, she came back to work, and there she was dressed in an SAA uniform right down to the scarf around her neck. She said, I'm here for the job. I said, that's fabulous. What can you do? She said, do I don't want to do anything. I just want a job. So I said, did you not realise you have to do something? She said, no. I said, well, what's your concept of a job? She said, well, I thought I would just get dressed nicely every day, come here, you give me free tea and coffee, and you even give us lunch, and then I would go home, and at the end night you give me a lot of money, and I can ha- have a nice life. And that was her conception of work. She had no concept that she actually had to, do some, to produce some value to get her salary. So that's why – then I thought that's when I started going into schools. I thought, these girls actually haven't got a clue when they come into the world what it's all about. Mm. Anyway, so I said to her, well, if you can't do anything, tell me what's the best thing about you. She said, the best thing about me is I've got a very nice voice. Everybody says I've got a lovely voice. So I said, look, I don't have a job for you now, but sit next to the switchboard operator and learn the switchboard. Then at least you can go and get a job as a switchboard operator because you've got a nice voice.
1: So luckily Lucy didn't lose her job. She didn't want She's, that job.
0: She didn't want that <laughs> So um, – She went and she sat next to the switchboard operator. She learned how to use it. And uh, when the girl went to lunch, she took over. And of course, uh, 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 it happened the girl got pregnant. And when she went on maternity leave, Faith took over. And she became the switchboard operator. But she didn't just do that because now she knew, Mm. now she'd got the job, she knew she had to do more. So on her days off from that, she started coming and she learned how to be a cashier. And then she learned how to be a stock controller. She went to be a sales lady. And she was one of my top sales ladies. Really fantastic. And when I got to... Uh, I, we were coming to Jo'burg then. We were still in Durban. And she said, I want to come to Jo'burg with you. And I said, no, you can't. you know, I'm only bringing you know, trained people. So she said to me, you know, I'll come up. And truth, Bob, the day we opened in Fourway, she was there at the front door. She said, I've arrived. She was there with her suitcase. I said... I don't have anywhere for you to live. I don't know what where you're gonna live. She said, No, it's okay. So you know, we are four-ways branches, there's Lone Hill on the other side, all those little townhouses. Mm. So she said, "Um, I'm going to find somewhere to live. So at lunchtime she went, and she she went to the security guard, and she said, is there anybody here who's got servants' quarters who hasn't got a servant in? So he said, yes, there are two ladies. So she went and knocked on the first door, and the woman said, bugger off, You can't come here, you know. But she didn't get put off. She went to the next, she knocked on the door, and she said to the woman, I'll wash your dishes, I'll wash your clothes, I'll do your housework in exchange for this room. And she got the room, and she started up here. And long story short, she bought a beautiful house in Kailami. she bought a gold motor car, but she was such a good person that when she went back to Durban, she went back to the girl who'd now taken over her job on the switchboard and she said, "How my keys. Just think this could be you. Mm. And mm-hmm. gave that other girl inspiration. And then she actually went into Cormar. She loaded up all the kids and took them all to Gateway for movies and Coke and popcorn. Wow, so it was incredible. very nice. So, yeah.
1: So, Margaret, do you think that anyone can, anyone can do it? Anyone Anybody can make it? Anybody can
0: do it. it. You have to have a good – first of all, I always say I can train skills. I can't train attitude. You have to have a good attitude. Don't come to me with a sulky face and a whole lot of misery. I'm not mm-hmm. interested. Okay, so if you've got a good attitude, you know, I trained at Disney University in the States. Disney University is one of the biggest employers in the world. And you walk up a ramp and there's a one way mirror like you've got here, one way mirror at the top. You can't see them, but they watch you. If you do not walk up there with a smile on your face, you don't even get to fill in the form to apply for the job. That's what they want. They want good wow. attitude because mm. at Disney it's all, you know, mm. sweetness mm. and light, so you've got to have it. So I, I've, people come to me with a good attitude and a good work ethic. I can't be lazy people. I, I always say the worst disease in the world is not HIV mm. and it's not cancer, it's laziness. That's the worst disease in the world. And if we can just cure that disease in this country, we will be in the pound seats because we've got a magnificent mm. workforce. We've got all the minerals in the world. We've got everything we need. We have the best agricultural land that you can find. But our people are, are lazy. They don't want to work. And if we can just get them to work, we are be BA for a way.
1: Where do you think we as a society, and it's not a, I don't think it's just a South African problem around the world, where do you think we've gone wrong with the stuff that you're referring to, where we um, where we, unemployed, we don't go and look for to, to create our own thing? Um, what do you think should change in the world so that we get to... Um, people who matriculate and they they see the world differently
0: i think we've got to start training them in the schools you know in the school school is such a closed environment you know nobody is really nasty to you okay you get a bit of bullying but i mean when you're on the other side of the counter like us we see people at their absolute worst um i like my staff to train at night as waiters because as a waiter i always say it knocks all the nonsense out of you i was our, our waitress my kids both waited. Um, it, it knocks the nonsense out. It gets you to understand people. So if you come out of school, you have a high IQ but a low EQ. A lot of people don't know how to mix with people, and so I think we've got to go into the schools and start teaching them there. Yeah. And um, I've forgotten the rest of your question. No, no, exactly, exactly
1: <laughs> that. So um, when these girls are coming to you now, or, or, or yeah. people are coming to you now, yeah. um, you, you're telling them that they that they got their they got to get their attitude right, and yeah. they shouldn't be lazy. Yeah. Um, and, and what are the other things that you're telling them that you wish someone told them earlier?
0: I think you've got to be enthusiastic. You know, There's nothing worse than a person who slots in and says, I'm here for the job, what mm. you got. You know, it's, There's nothing worse than that. You've got to have somebody who's really enthusiastic and say, I want to work. Just tell me what to do, and I'll do it. Mm. That's the type of person mm. you want to get. You know, don't say, I'm here for the job because you only have to get a job. You're not here because you want to work. Yeah. So I think they have to say, I, I want to work. Mm-hmm. And they've got to sell their skills. I'm really good sure. at this. I'm really good
1: do you, at it. Do that. you feel that um, people are always eager in the beginning and they say, I'll do whatever, and then the moment you get them in? At
0: the moment you show them how much work there is, they're always eager to do a little bit of work. Mm-hmm. But, you know, as you know today, if you want to get ahead, you've got to do a lot of work. Yeah. You've got to work really yeah. hard. I mean, yeah. I work a 20-hour day, seven days a week. I get up four o'clock in the morning, Um, I meditate, I I have a shower, I go to gym, and then I'm at my desk. I finish, I'm back from gym by six, I'm at my desk at seven, and I work through, we close Hoppers File by the time we've cashed up at six o'clock at night. And then what I do is I go home, I shower and change, and I usually have dinner with my suppliers, because your suppliers and business can make or break you. And um, so I go after my suppliers and I speak to them until about, say, 10 o'clock. I come home and then I study because, you know, I'm doing my master's now and I passed this year, yay. So... um, so I study from about 10 till midnight, and then midnight I go to sleep, and then I get up at 4 o'clock again, and I do that. And I'll be 17 next year, and I've done it for most of my life, and it's, it's And you're fine. still fine? Yeah, I'm fighting for it every day. Yeah. <laughs> and I never get sick. I never get sick. Do you know that? I've never been sick in my life. Yeah. I don't understand really? sickness, um, but I only eat a plant-based diet, so mm. I've always been vegetarian. I'm now vegan. Okay. So, I don't understand. sickness. i I've never vomited. I've never had diarrhea. So I don't understand when people tell yeah, me these things. Yeah, so I don't even know what yeah. they
1: are. I've got so many questions for you. <laughs> um, do you? Um, I'm also vegetarian. I used to be vegan, um, and and yeah, I do very little animal products. But uh, do you think it's a uh, um, completely off off topic? But do you think it's a uh, it's something that? will um, be a generation or two away that we all on plant, plant-based diets. I just I'm really got a hoping
0: message. so. I'm really hoping so. You know why? What's the biggest thing holding you back from doing what, what you want to do? It's fear. Where did you get that fear from? You weren't born with it. Babies mm. are born with the fear of loud noises and the fear of falling. That's mm. all. That's mm. the only fear they're born with. Everything else is learned. Mm. Where did you get it from? Well, this is my philosophy, and a lot of people are not going to agree with me, especially the big meat-eaters, but this is my philosophy. When you eat meat, you imbibe the DNA. And in the DNA is the DNA of the animal that okay, that, that you're eating. So when that animal, the, the, the cow, the abattoir, the chicken, what is the last thing it sees before it dies? And the answer is the one before it being shot, because they shoot them in the head. Boof. Mm. So you're going along. You're scared now because you can smell the death mm. in the abattoir. And then you're going along, and you, just before you die, you dush, the one next to you goes, and then, boof, you're gone. All that. Angst is, is in the DNA of the animal. Okay, Then they cut it up, give you a piece, and you eat it. You imbibe that. That's, I believe, where mm. we get the fear from. Mm. Why have I been successful? Because I'm really not scared of anything. I'll do anything. I mean, I bungee jumped. I swam across the top of the Zambezian flood. Yeah. I've jumped out of airplanes. I mean, yeah. you can't scare me with things yeah. like that, really. So, how, how
1: long have you been on a plant-based diet?
0: Uh, nearly all my life. I really? used to have eggs and, and milk, but I don't anymore. Okay. Yeah. But I've been vegetarian all my yeah. life. Yeah.
1: I think it's such a. I think people are getting more and more educated about yes. it. I think it's more out there. Um, I just got a message now from Romeo Kumalu. Do you know Romeo? Uh, I don't Bassi. know him personally,
0: but I know who he is. Yes. Yeah. yeah.
1: And um, and, and Romeo is never the guy who I thought would go vegetarian. Yeah. And he just messaged me and said, like, I, I want to try this out, yeah. and I've been yeah. vegan from last week. I really think it's a. Yeah it's a it's a matter of time yeah. Um, Margaret, let's explore your journey and your business journey, and then yes. if we've got time, so, we, we maybe. As
0: I told you the other day, I came back. I married my husband. It was love at first sight. I, I just knew he was the right one straight away. He didn't know it, but I told him it was. <laughs> <laughs> and and um, so yeah, and so we were as was cross cultural marriage. So he got sent to Israel to find a wife, and I was told to just forget about it. But thank God he came back, and I had to wait till I was 21. My parents would not sign for me to get married, so when I was 21, I could sign. So that's when we got married. He was 24, I was 21. He could not read or write. He was a classic... Was class- he
1: su- in South Africa at the time? Yeah, yeah, in South okay. Africa.
0: Um, so he um, was a classic dyslexic, but of course in those days it wasn't even invented yet. People didn't know what it mm. was. So our next door neighbour in the flat that we moved into when we got married, because in those days you didn't live together, we got married and then we moved in together. And um, my neighbour was an, a retired school teacher, And she said to him, look, this is Dr. Logan. He's doing this research on, on why people can't read and write. And so Alan went to him and he said, and it was, um, we got married, Alan was earning 25 rand a week, so we weren't exactly rich. So we had to save up because the consultation was 300 rand, which we knew earning 25 rand a week is fortune. So we saved up and we, we had enough for one consultation. So he went along and Dr. Logue, after 15 minutes of speaking to him out of our consultation, said, You're classic dyslexic, there's nothing wrong with you, your brain just works a different way. And when Ellen tells us, he said, when he came out, when your whole life changes in a split second, his whole life changed, his whole life he'd been told he was stupid, and now he realised he wasn't. And with that, everything changed, and he just said, I'm going to start my own business. And then I said, well, you can't, we just got married, we just moved into this flat, I want to buy land, and we bought land, and we were building a house, and this happened, and that happened. And then when I got pregnant, I told you I got fired, so we we only had one income. So we put it off and put it off. And eventually, when my daughter was born, he said, this is it, I'm going to do it. I'm going to to start my own business. So it was in the days of Tony Factor, who's big in Joburg. Dion Friedlander started Dion's. Alan J. Hellman started Game. And all at that time, everybody was discounting. was the end thing. He said, I'm going to discount. But we didn't have money to buy any stock. So so uh, people listening to this, if you want to start a business and you don't have money, do not borrow, because if you borrow, you've got to pay back with interest. So I say to people all the time, if you want to start a business, sell your skills. So we had our skills. That was all we had to sell. So my skill was I was a shorthand typist. So I used to phone guys. They would bring their typing in the morning. I'd type it in the day. They'd fetch it. And the other guys would bring their typing in the night, and I would type it, and they'd fetch it in the morning. And so I was 25 cents a sheet. A lot of typing. You got to do to make money there. And then Alan was a refrigeration technician by profession because his father said, you're never going to get your matric, just go and get a job where you can work with your hands. So he became a refrigeration technician, five-year apprenticeship, and then when he qualified, he he could fix fridges and air conditioners. But we started just focusing, and that's what I always tell people, just focus, we just focused on air conditioners. we just repaired air conditions, that was it. And then from there, if we couldn't repair it, we'd buy one and sell it, and that's how we started off, slowly, slowly. And then um, from there, he started fixing fridges and stoves and washing machines, and we built up slowly like that. And that's the way to start. You mm. sell your skills, mm. and with the money that you get, you don't spend it, you've got to keep it. And then we started buying one product. We bought one fridge. We actually went and bought it from game. We <laughs> put it into the showroom, and we sold it. And we bought another one. We, mm. we took that money, and then, mm. remember I told you with the cakes, you can you yeah, sell it yeah, and yeah. you buy two, and you sell that and you buy four. And that's how it starts. Mm. That's how you start. If people start like that, Why do so many businesses fail in South Africa? It's very, very simple. The first thing they say is, give me funding. And then you get funding. It's easy to get. Definitely on the same page. But then you borrow it. And then as soon as you start making money, you've got to pay it back. But with interest. So you're working your bum off. And then what happens is you've got to give all that money to somebody else. The person you borrowed the the money from, you've got to give it back. So you feel you're not achieving. Mm. And that's why they give up. Mm. And then they say they go insolvent. So if you just start slowly and build up, and mm. don't borrow. It says in the Bible, never borrow a lender bee, and that's what I, my belief is.
1: I quickly want to tell you on that point. Uh, so our partner for this uh, podcast season is Investig mm. and I sat down with Stephen Karsev the yeah. other day, and Stephen said he thinks it's the biggest problem of um, of how we build businesses today because said, every year you just got to think about that little bit of improvement yeah. and then if you do that and you mm. just incrementally improve and it compounds and then mm. over 30 years you end up with an investing yeah. but I think that's a problem to in in today's life, because yes. we want to be, we yeah. want to build something in the quickest.
0: We want to have it now. We've got instant gratification, yeah. and, and um, you know, you just can't have everything now. And people want the best that you know. You you have these aspirations, and it's good to have the aspirations, but you can't have it right now. Mm. You know, you've got to start small and build mm. up as you go. Mm. And I think that's what people come to me and they say, Margaret, I want to be like you. And I said, but you don't understand. I've been doing this for forty-one years. It didn't happen overnight.
1: Mm. And so that was your journey, just starting off small, Small. building and building and building, and today it's the issues that we know. Well,
0: you know, and it's not a smooth journey because we were going along. So after 10 years, we had bought the Mm. House of Our Dreams, which was a beautiful house in Durban North. Are you still
1: still staying in Durban? I stayed
0: Durban, Cape Town and Durban. I have houses in all three places, yeah.
1: Okay, and where do you spend the most time?
0: if you ask me, I love Joburg best, but my husband still thinks he lives in Durban. Okay. Yes.
1: I, 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 I've been following Alan for quite some time on, on Instagram, yes. and I love his energy and yes. his Yes, he's very
0: sporty. I'm not at all sporty, okay. so he's very into sport. And I've got five grandsons that are all very into sport. I'm not into sport. I'm okay. into fashion and jewellery and things like okay. that. Okay. Anyway. So, yeah, so Alan still thinks he lives in Durban. I, still, I, I love Joburg. To me, Joburg <laughs> is where it's at. I love the vibe. I love the energy in Joburg. I love the speed. Yeah. To me, this is where it's at. But we have the best of both. Because my five grandsons are in Durban, so we go down
1: every weekend okay. to see them. Yeah. Okay. And uh, many ups and downs in this journey?
0: So I was telling you, so we, uh, we 10 years, we had a house of our dreams, we paid for our cars, uh, we had no debt, um, we, we bought our own building to run our business from, we had 2 million rand in the bank. Now in 1988, 2 million rand was a mm. lot of money, mm. it was like 200 million today. And so um, somebody said to us, we, were both, we both went to school in Peter Marisburg, so somebody said to us, look, there's a business come uh, for sale in Peter Marisburg, why don't you go and buy it? So we went up and it was family business, same as ours, um, father, three sons, we're selling up, and so we negotiated and I went to him and I said, how much do you want for this business? He says, his sons didn't want the business, he said, I'll sell it to you for two million rand. And you know, you sort of think, oh my gosh, this is made in heaven. Yeah, you know, two million rand, two million rand, just... So I paid him the two million rand. And the day that I signed, and I'm quite clever, I went through the books, everything. Mm. The day that I signed, what he did is he had showed that he paid all his creditors. it had been those days with checks. He had all the checks. And the minute I signed and gave him my two million rand, he released three million rands of the checks. So I went from having two million rand in the bank to to three million rand in overdraft in one afternoon. Lost five million rand, like that. And that was such a good learning curve for me because, you know, you think you're never going to get up. I mean, it's taken us 10 years of hard work Mm, to get mm. there. And you just have to take a breath and you have to say... I have to start all over
1: again. But at that moment, it feels like the world is...
0: It feels like somebody pulled a rug from under your feet. Where, am I ever going to get up? What is going to happen? Am I going to lose everything that I had? But you know what? It drives you. Then you're driven to actually go back and make that money back. Mm. It took me 10 years to make that, that $2 million the first time. I made the second $2 million in one year. And it got worse because we were going to buy the building from him. And when it came to buy the building, he said, you're not buying the building. In fact, actually move out. I'm moving back in and I'm taking the business over, which he did. So we were in the middle of the street. So we literally went across the road over there, and we rented a building, which we ultimately bought. And we had to carry on. You just in life, you have to carry on. You can't say stop the bus and yeah. we get off. You yeah. just have to carry on. So we carried on, and we made that money back. And then we just carried on. And you know, there had been people across. You you trust people who let you down. Mm. We had a guy who was running our air conditioning company, and we really trusted him. We'd known him, and everything was fine. And it's in the front page of the Sunday Times, so there was no, the, no sort of hidden thing. We got him on 92 counts of fraud. So there'll always be somebody who who, who does try and take the money away from you. And I always tell it to business owners, no matter who you trust, no matter how trustworthy you think they are, you've got to do all the books yourself and you've got to oversee it. And I had to laugh because a while ago, I spoke at the Institute of Chartered Accountants, the Lady Chartered Accountants. They said, how many CAs do you have in your business? And I said, none. And they said, but why not? So I said, well, I don't have to pay you to tell me if I've got money. I can look in the bank. If I've got money, it's okay. And if I haven't, I better get up and work a bit harder today, you know. So, yeah, so um, we've been very blessed to have a very, very fantastic, honest um, financial director who's been with us now for 30 odd years. So, uh, yeah, and he does. But I've always monitored it myself, you know, because you can't be too careful when it comes to money.
1: Mm. And Margaret, today, what are you doing in the company? What are you doing yourself? What's keeping you busy? Well, I
0: I, I run four jobs, uh, so on a daily basis. So I work at Hershey's, so I sell irons and toasters and kettles, I train my staff. Um, I'm up to date with all the latest stuff.
1: So, so ah. when someone uh, asks you, Margaret, what do you do? You don't yes. say, I'm the super big entrepreneur. Who has made I say, you I'm say, a toaster sales lady. <laughs>
0: yes, what well, I'm a toaster sales lady. And um, so, yeah, and you have to be up to date. You know, customers come in very morning. You've got to know the leachage of the fridge. You've got to know the wattage of the microwave. You've got to know the spin speed of a washing machine. You have to know everything. So we... we we train on a daily basis, so every day from 8 to 8.30, I train my staff on themselves, on their own skills, how, how to build yourself up. Today we did Steve Harvey. You, you have not because you ask not. Isn't that amazing? You know, some many mm. people say, oh, I don't have any money. Well, did you ask God for it? Mm. No, I didn't. Well, well how do you expect you're going to get it then if you didn't ask? So uh, we do that. We sing every day because singing makes you feel good. Um, so the song we sang this morning was Oh Happy Day, but every day is a different one <laughs> We say Reach for the Stars, you know You saw us singing that So you, by singing, you break your, your Mold of, of thinking You know, it breaks the mold of thinking Singing makes you feel better As you sing, as your mouth picks up It, it releases your little happy pulse from the back of your neck yep. They go down your back, you can feel them and so we sing every morning, and we, we, when I say we dance, we actually do dance, and I'll show you we, we do. At the moment, we're doing it, we do. I, I love lion dancing, so we do the lion dancing. It's called the get up song. If you want to Google it,
1: are we going to do it after this recording? We can record, do, like. let's do it.
0: <laughs> and so we sing and we dance, and it just breaks the mold of these people coming from negative household. I come out of a negative home. You know, I told you I'm doing my masters now. So my mother said to me, "Are you finished now?" So I said, "No, we've got. Uh, I've got another two years to go." She says, "You better hurry up, i said be putting." degree on your tombstone you know so I I don't come from positive people let me tell you so they come out of that negative and how do you break that mold how do you get people to start thinking positively because they've got to think positively Mm. in life
1: I've been um I've been very fortunate with my own work and and just this podcast that um and with the team that I've been able to meet incredible entrepreneurs Mm. like yourself especially this year um, um, I, I spent some time with Richard Branson three yeah. weeks ago, and wow. um, as I said, Stephen Kossuth, and we just came from a recording with um, Gideon uh, Galloway. And as I came back, I, I thought I just need to sit down and, and, and just write what I think all these people have in common. Mm-hmm. And I came up with eight things, yeah. and I want to read it out to you, and I just want to hear your thoughts on, on each right. one of them, and right. then maybe you've got s- stuff that we can add, but okay. I think it would be a cool exercise. Number one, you got to think big.
0: Yes. It takes just as much effort to make a million rand as it takes to make one rand. Mm. So, as Richard Branson says, go big or go home, Mm. you know.
1: Two, you got to be super, super, super positive.
0: You have to be, don't hang around with negative people, and there aren't a lot of negative people. People come and start talking about whoa and car accidents and all rubbish like that. I just leave. Mm. I'm not even there. Mm. I'd sometimes I stop it, you know, if you can't leave. But otherwise I get the hell out of there because you don't want to be around them. Because as human, your body is giving off pheromones. I'm feeding off of those pheromones. Mm. And no matter what you do, you're going to do it. So if they're positive, I'll become positive. If they're negative, I'll become negative. I don't want to be around negative people. Yeah.
1: And it's almost like you're creating your own new reality.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, if you read The Course in Miracles, have you read The Course mm-hmm. in Miracles? That All the modern-day philosophers, it's like a Bible for modern-day philosophers, it's called The Course in Miracles. The first time you read it, you won't understand it. But it teaches you that everything's an illusion. Nothing's real, sure. you know. And, you, of course, with my business, I do a lot of artificial uh, intelligence. And with now, as a keynote speaker, and I'll give you the clip, the lady can speak Japanese in Japan, but she can be right here. Her hologram just arrives. Yeah, i send you the thing. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. And she's speaking Japanese in Japan, two Japanese people. Hmm. And she, it's all got, working from her thought pattern here.
1: Yeah. So. Exciting time. <laughs> Number three, you've got to hire the right people.
0: Oh, absolutely. I'm only as strong as my team. Look at my amazing team. Every time I come, you see amazing people. You meet Shane, amazing, Mm -hmm. amazing person. Megan, so talented, young, energetic, enthusiastic. I have the most amazing team. I have a big team, 2,500 people in total. But every one of them handpicked, everyone amazing.
1: So this one, you might disagree with me, but I'm saying you can't be operational because you've got to have this bird's-eye view on yep. what's happening and not get so into the You know, you have to have details.
0: a bird's-eye view, and I do, and I'm trying to get myself out that I'm looking at the bigger picture from outside, but I can't tell you how to do something if I don't know how to do it myself. So I do everything. There's no job at Hershey's that I can't do. I can cashier, I can stock control, I can drive a truck, I can carry a fridge upstairs, I can do. <laughs> I can show you how to work the a microwave. <laughs> <laughs> I can show you how to work a microwave. I can do absolutely anything. And I think that's why my staff respect me, because I will never ask you to do something I won't do myself. Mm. I'll never say to you, we go out and, and meet co- contractors to try and get business in. I won't say to you, you go, but I'm going to sit here and watch you. Uh-uh, I go with mm. them. Mm. So I think, yeah, you, you have to multitask. You've got to be operational. You have to know how everything is. But you've got to get out and you've got to look at the big picture mm.
1: from afar. Yeah. Got to have a super clear plan and KPIs to monitor that plan.
0: You do, and where most people go wrong, they start from today and try and go up the ladder. Dr. Stephen Covey teaches, start with the end in mind. Start with end in mind. If you call the Uber, you tell him where you want to go, and then you get there. You can't call the Uber and say, listen, just drive around a bit and I think where I want to go. Sure. You know, it doesn't work like that. It's the same in life. You've got to know where you're going. Why do most people not get what they want in life? Because they don't know what they want. And as soon as you know what you want, and the clearer you, is, you at the moment we're doing goals for next year, the clearer your, your vision is, the more specific you can be. I mean, I bring a lot of my staff up from Durban because we're Durban-based, our head officers in Durban. And I put them on a the bus, one-way ticket, 390 Rand. They arrive with a checkers bag with two shirts and a pair of shoes. That's all they got to their name. No way back. This is, you're going to make it here. And then I say to them, what's the first thing you want to buy? They say, I want to buy a car. Okay, what kind of car? Oh, no, she. I don't know, any car. I just don't. I say, no, you've got to be specific. Okay, blue, golf, GTR, 1600, mag wheels, black upholstery, whatever it is. And then we get the car, and then they've got to drive it, and then they get the feel of it. Gee, then they want it. I guarantee you in six months they have that car. Guaranteed. You've got to know. You've got to be specific. You've got to know exactly what you want. But start with end in mind.
1: Sure. And, and what do you think about uh, KPIs and just having um, like certain key things that you, that you monitor? Because I think yeah. in business, there's just too much. Eh? You, can't, yeah. you can't be everywhere. Well, number
0: one, you've got to monitor the money. Everything boils down to money at the end of the day. If your money's right, everything's right. If your money's wrong, woo, you're in big trouble. Yeah, so, yes, you you, you do, um, but you can't take your eye off the ball. You've got to know everything that's going yeah. on, you know. Like, I can't say, I'm not going to bother with my deliveries. Our deliveries are so important. Those are the last guys the customers see. The vans have to be clean, the guys have to be in uniform, they have to be on time, you know, that type of thing, yeah. Number
1: six, creating a great product or platform.
0: I think today, if you had to say to me, if you want, And I would
1: to, say your business is a platform with as great products as on. It's a
0: platform, we've got a great product, but we give our, our strength as our service. And I think today you've got to be in the service industry. Whatever you're doing, you have to be there to serve other people. And if you're serving other people, you'll grow and get stronger. You know, So I think it, there has to be an element of service in it. And we're studying with all the big shops closing down, we study the ones in America, and the only big box store, which, we, which is what we are, a big box store in America that's really doing well is a company called Best Buyers, which sell the same sort of thing as I do. Mm. And they, their strength is their service. That's, that's what's taken them. Sears has closed down. All those old places have closed down. But Best Buy's are there because they give the best service, mm. you know.
1: Um, I've changed my rule now. My rule now reads, create a create product or platform that serves.
0: Yes. You've got to be, you've got to be there to serve someone. I'll credit someone. you if I yeah.
1: write a book about this. Say, <laughs> uh, number seven, dare to be different.
0: You have to be different. Today you have got to be unique. There's so much of the same old, same old. You don't want to be the same. And that's why our stores are unique in the world. If you come into our stores, there's not another store in the world which is exactly like ours, how we set it out per brand, how the whole thing is set up and everything. Um, We are unique in what we do, and we're unique in that we fix everything that we sell. From the lounge suite to the bar stools to the fridge, the stove, the washing machine, irons, toasters, kettles, we fix everything that we sell. That sets us and it makes us unique. Today you've got to be unique. People look for something that's different.
1: Yeah, and, but everyone kind of does the same thing and it's the yeah. guys who, who dare to yeah. be different who You've got to be different today. Mm-hmm. Um, use technology in building great systems.
0: Yeah. Technology is definitely where it's at, and we're finding that speeding – you know, we used to have books that you came and you'd write down, He wants a fridge delivered to this address. Now it's all on tablets. We, we, and technology is moving so fast we can hardly keep up with it because then we put our – then we got the Samsung Pay and the iPay and all those type of things. Then we started that as soon as you pay, the receipt would generate your invoice and then that would immediately print to the delivery guy who would now be able to pick that product up, go and deliver it to your house. Our deliveries are like with Uber. You can see where your delivery is, when it's coming, Um, you know, and it should all work perfectly. Mm. Of course, it doesn't always, but 99.9% of the time it does, yeah.
1: And I also think, like, uh, people are cool and people are very important. But we've got to help people, right, with yes. technology, because regardless yeah. of how good they want to be, yeah. that mm. we are just people, and technology fills And, you know,
0: you don't realise this. So, and we, we go across the board. So I start with domestic workers. I believe that domestic workers are the most underutilised people, and I could not do my job without my domestic mm. worker. So I feel that my job is to upskill her, which I do. So, for instance, my domestic worker in Durban, her daughter came to work for her. She's a domestic worker. But today she's one of my top paid employees, but she also has a business on the side. I encourage my staff, by the way, to have business on the side. Um, Her business on the side is she has three Ubers, so she says, I go to sleep at night. I wake up, I've got an extra 5,000 Rand in my bank account in mm, the morning because mm. I've got the Ubers. But she worked until she could buy one car. She was giving people a lift to work and charging them. And she realized, well, I could have another car. So she got another car with a driver, and that became the Uber. And now she's got three Ubers as well. So, I mean, it just goes, I love this country because yeah. I work with people who are so enterprising, energetic, enthusiastic, and are making money, you
1: know. Love it. So to repeat, Think big, be super positive, hire the right people, don't be operational, have a plan and KPIs, create a product or platform that serves. Yeah. In brackets, Margaretesh. <laughs> dare to be different, use tech to build great systems. Yeah. Is there anything that you'll, you'll add here?
0: Well, I think, yeah, you know, just keep, keep the biggest thing, is you've got to keep a positive attitude. You've got to be happy in yourself. You know, what is your end result? You've got to have the end result in mind. My end result is to be happy and to help people to, to be happy. And I think if you just start working towards that and making sure that every day, every day I do something for somebody that they don't know I've done and they can't thank me for. And that is my great joy in life. That gives me my big kick. You know, people say, what do you get a kick from? I get a kick from that. People that, um, today we're going to a little boy who's burnt and he's an artist. An artist. We've got him a whole big packet of, of um, canvases and paints and brushes. Really? And we're going from here to where he's at and we're going to give him this thing. And, um, okay, he will be able to thank us because but he doesn't know us, he doesn't yeah, know who yeah. we are, and we're just gonna give it to him and I'll just feel good with doing that. That's so amazing. that's what I do and every day I do something like that.
1: I'll give you my bank details and you can pay without, without a <laughs> reference number for today. Um, we're recording this in the beginning of December 2019, and you guys just had Black Friday, which I yes. assume was a crazy time for you. It's, you want to it's tell just me about amazing.
0: That? But there again, how do we differentiate ourselves? Yes, we could have you know people pushing and shoving, but we don't. We... Um, We we opened Black Friday at midnight online, but 7 o'clock in the morning in our stores. So what we did is we got chairs. We had a big row of chairs outside the front door because obviously people are going to come. They're through the night. They want the specials. So we put a big queue of chairs and we gave everybody um, Hirsch water, a bottle of water, Hirsch water, and then we made, had coffee machines going, so we gave them coffee. And I just said we didn't entertain them enough, but from next year we're going to have entertainment. We're going to have entertainment going on the big screens and that type of thing. So our people were very civilised, very, and we gave them all numbers. So this person had come for that particular TV. You were number one, number two, number three. So you didn't have to push. You didn't have to yeah. shove. You could go to the toilet and not lose your spot and all that type of thing. So yeah. it was very nice. And
1: it was a good weekend?
0: It was the most unbelievable weekend. You will not believe we literally took millions in, in a couple of days. It was just unreal. Um, it was very good for us because people got in the vibe. They don't they come to buy one TV and they leave with for three items or four items, you know. So it was, but it was very organized, very civilized. Everything worked, our staff, we got extra staff and we got extra delivery teams. I must be honest, we are still delivering from 6 in the morning till 10 at night, seven days a week we are delivering the stuff. Our air conditioning went through the roof because it was a particularly hot day, a Black Friday. So we'd had rain and then the, the heat hit and then everybody, the, the humidity hit and people can't take humidity. Our air conditioning, we are installing, um, he just said to me today, between 50 and 60 air conditions a day. That's just in Joburg and so we do that countrywide. So, yeah, it was right across the board from toasters and kettles to washing machines, flat screen TVs, air conditioners, beds, furniture, you name it, we sold it.
1: Amazing. Is Is there anything that you learned through this Black Friday, maybe in customer service or in marketing yourself that you can share with small business owners out there? That may maybe they can apply in their in their own businesses?
0: You know, you have to negotiate we negotiated specials with our suppliers. So we went to our suppliers and said, you know, give us some specials and, and then give us some extra specials. And what can we do? So so we work we work very closely with our suppliers. And um, you know, for instance, SMEG, we did the SMEG toast and kettle as a package deal. So people we could have had the toast on special, we could have had the kettle on special, but we did the two together. We sold so many we sold out.
1: You we, sold out because sold out. I still wanted
0: one. Yeah, you can, I'll find you one. Thank you, Margaret.
1: <laughs> and
0: then, um, for instance, the, the air, fryers. air fryers. Why did I bring air fryers in? Because uh, I own Johannesburg School for the Blind and it's aligned to children with fire. Most children are blind because they've been burnt. And so um, how can we stop fat fires in the kitchen? Well, bring in an air fryer because then you don't need the fat and you can get the same result. So we started bringing air fryers in and air fryers have really taken off now. I can cook a whole dinner, chicken and three vegetables in 20 minutes in an air fryer. So you come home love home from work, You come home from work, you stick the chicken the vegetables and you switch it on, you're going to have your bath, come out looking glam and everything's cooked. It's the best thing you'll ever have. We we were selling them at a really unbelievable price, and we just flew them out as well. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it was just the most phenomenal time.
1: So discussing with your suppliers and coming up with deals that yes. would be a win-win for.
0: Yeah, for we, we have to make money. The supplier has to get rid of stock, and the customer has to get a bargain of a lifetime.
1: Sure, yeah, and it's just putting those yeah. deals together. Yeah. Um, you referred to meditation quickly um, yes. once you get up. Mm. Are there, like, a couple of things that you do that helps you to be in this positive mindset to, yes. um So you said meditation, training. Yes. Are there other things that, that you do that helps you to, to stay? Do you know, I'm
0: constantly learning. I trained with Tony Robbins. Um, I've been on three Tony Robbins courses. I love Robin Banks. As South mm. Africans, so I think every, it should be compulsory for every South African to, to go to Robin Banks. Um I constantly train. I went to Disney University. As you know, I'm at university now. So I think just expanding your mind all the time, you know. Um, I trained with uh, Wayne Dyer when he was still alive. I trained with um, Dr. Brian Weiss, which is um, – his book is uh, Many Minds, Many Masters. It's going through your past lives. Um, so I, I explore absolutely everything. There's nothing that I say I won't do. I, I, my mind is wide open to it. To everything, and I think that's what it's all about—just being having an open mind and accepting everything. You know, I adopted a black child who's transgender, and people say, "You know, what on earth did you do that for?" You know, and I said because I just accepted him for what he was. He's—he's he's a lovely human being, and the rest of it didn't come into play. Mm. You know, so um, yeah, I think you've just got to be open to everything and anything today. Today, anything
1: goes. Sure. Yeah, Margaret. So you're saying waking up at four, going to bed at twelve. <laughs> um, what 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 keeps you going? What what can you share with people listening to this? What can you share with me? Yeah. Um, I'm tired. I don't want to wake up four a.m. I yeah. went to bed at twelve. Yeah. I'm day tired. <laughs> What's um, what- I
0: don't think you can go from from sleeping a normal, say, 8 to 10 hours, which a lot of people do, to 4 hours overnight. It doesn't work like that. You train yourself to sleep less and less. As I started to get busier, I realised this. we've all got the same amount of time in the day. If I needed to do more stuff, I would need more time in the day. And that's when I started sleeping less. So you stop by, by getting up half an hour earlier and going to bed half an hour later. It gives you an extra hour a day, 7 hours a week, you see. So you start with that and then you go to an hour, you wake up an hour earlier and leave an hour, go to bed an hour later. And you build up to that. Now my four hours, Tony Robbins taught me four hours is what a human being needs. They don't need more, they don't need less. If you sleep for eight hours, you'll wake up as tired as you went to bed. So the next day you're tired the whole day. If I, Not that I do sleep because now I'm trained, I only sleep four hours. But if I had to sleep longer, I would feel slothful the whole day, you know. So I think you can train yourself. As with meditation, if you've never meditated, you don't know how to meditate. But once you start, and and you can be trained, you have a coach for everything, so you you be trained. And then you can just do it by yourself. So you meditate, yeah.
1: If you're listening to this, please tell me how many hours you're sleeping. (laughs) Um, I agree on eight, but I don't know if I can survive on four. But (laughs) you
0: can. I'm very
1: open to trying everything, so I'll try that and I'll let you know. (laughs) Um, What do you think is a lie that the entire world believes is the truth.
0: What is a lie that uh, that you can only do so much? You know, um, my businesswoman of the year for last year was Dr. Tamara Pfeiffer, and she is a longevity specialist. She says that today I will live to about 120, you'll live to over 150, and the children being born today will live to 200. Now, um, And I do believe that's true. And if you look in the Bible, people were living to 800 years old in the Bible. So um, I think we're going to live longer and longer. And I think it's very important that we have to have a fantastic quality of life. So to me, the biggest thing is when you get to 60, people start saying to you, when are you going to retire? And I would say, never. You know, to me, to retire is to die. I don't want to die now. I'm having too much of a good time. So I'm never going to retire, you know. And I don't want to sit and do nothing. I have no wish to do that. So... um, So I I feel of people, and I feel of people's energy, and that that, my work energizes me. I'm energized every minute of the day. So, um, yeah, I think people think that they can only work for so long and, you know, and I always, I joke now, I say, I've got to my three school years and 10, but now life is just beginning for me. Mm-hmm. And uh, my husband's grandfather was a rabbi in Pretoria and when he was 70, he changed his profession. He went from being a rabbi to being a child psychologist because he started to, to look after the children who came out of the Holocaust. He, um, his wife died, so he remarried, he got a new wife. And he changed his country, we left South Africa and we went to live in Israel. So he started a whole new life. He actually had a whole other life
1: mm-hmm.
0: after everybody thought he was going to die. So, you know, I think today you're going to live for a long time. You might as well have a good time. Sure. Yeah.
1: And um, if you don't know what Margaret looks like, go <laughs> onto her Instagram right now. Because when she told us at an event that she's 69, the whole crowd went, <gasps> <gasps> What? <laughs> So somehow this mindset is working, the four yeah. hours is working.
0: I see one of the questions was um, that was sent to me is, what, what makeup range do you use because I don't look <laughs> like you? I said, you know, if you had to see my lifestyle, because I'm on the go all the time, yeah. I just grab anything that I can find anywhere. So I don't even have any specific thing. I just use what I can where I am.
1: So on that note, Margaret, is there another life coming or... What's, what's the next five, ten years looking like for, for Hershey's and for Margaret?
0: Well, you know, I've got... Uh, my son's MD of the business and I've got five grandsons coming up through the ranks, so um, we're going to take it to new heights. My grandsons are... So, I mean, even my six-year-old is so smart on all these electronic devices and things. He can do anything. Um, so I, I can see that we're going to to go into a lot. My grandsons are all very sporty. My son-in-law trains athletes for a living, so they're all very sporty. Um, My middle grandson on my daughter's side is uh, very um, musically artistic, so I I have this vision of them all playing in a band. I just love that idea. And so um, I think, as Hirschers, we would probably go into musical instruments when they come in. We'll go into much more technology when these young brains start coming into our business. Um, Yeah, and I, I just see it as a legacy going forward yeah
1: and what's your what's your thoughts around um, online and retail being disrupted and how Well you, do you know think in England
0: that? at the moment in the u k more than sixty percent of all appliances are bought online because from there it's convenience you know you can go and you can look, but you don't want to, you can 't carry a washing machine home on the tube we're still a bit sports here yeah? we um, we've run from last year from about five percent to ten percent of ourselves our online and it 's growing and my goal for this coming year is we grew. In loss, in the last financially, year, 50% on our online sales, and my goal this year is to grow to 100% year-on-year on, year on online sales. So, we, yeah, it's definitely coming more. Convenience, you know, you don't want to lug the stuff home. You just go online and click the button it arrives at your door, so it's so convenient. Um, and there
1: is still a place where people go into the store to look but buy South online.
0: Africans want to see and touch and feel. 70% of all the people that come in our store have researchers online first. So they come in, and they know everything. Because remember, I sell thousands of products. They hone in on that one particular product. You know, tell me about this TV. How many pixels? Is it UHD? They want to know everything about it. So our staff, that's why we train every single day. Our staff have to know everything about every product. So... Today, people want to see, they want to touch, they want to feel, they want to just, you know, look at it, they want to measure it themselves. You can show them the measurements on the screen, but they come in with their tape measure. They want to measure, is this fridge going to fit? You know, how is this lounge going to fit in my lounge? So, yeah, I think South Africa, is we're a bit behind the rest of the world, but there will always be those people who don't want to buy online. Mm-hmm.
1: What, what, it, what do you think about um, competition? How, how do you think yeah. about it? about that in your own mind
0: you know um we try not to focus on our competition we know that we do have it and we just we try and zone out from that we try and focus on ourselves you know if you try and bother about everybody else you can't bother to be bothering about yourself and today if you want to get ahead you've got to be truly focused if you had to say to me what's the one thing that you've got to do if you start a business i'm going to say focus You've got to focus on it. So we're very focused on our business to the point of actually being a bit boring to other people, but we are 100% focused on our business. So we know that there will always be competitors out there, and they come and they go. But I think if you just focus on your business and doing the best you can do and being the best you can be, that's the way to go forward.
1: Margaret, in closing off, what is your one piece of advice for small business owners out there who's sitting in an economy that's not growing uh, tough? Mm-hmm environment out there? I think,
0: first of all, you only think it's a tough environment, because that's what people tell you. um, I believe this is a land of wealth and opportunity. I believe anybody who wants to work can make money in this country. Um, And I always say to them, what's the difference between a rich man and a poor man? A rich man spends less than he earns. A poor man spends more than he earns. If you just spend less than you earn, you'll be rich.
1: And if I take you today to the Margaret Hirsch, 18 years old, in Dover, what would you say to her?
0: I would say um, you've you've got to work hard. There's no shortcuts. Don't even try them because they're not there. I would say um, if I had one wish, I wish that I knew about motivation when I was younger. You know, um, I never knew what motivation was. For my 50th birthday, my husband gave me the trip to Tony Robbins, and that changed my life completely. That was such a change. And then I realised that you can motivate yourself to be better. You don't have to stay where you are. You can motivate. You can be anything that you want. You can do anything you want. You can have anything that you want. And it all starts in your mind. It all starts with a thought.
1: Margaret the other night you shared what you're doing for entrepreneurship. And I think you've changed so many people's lives, thousands of people working for you. You've built an amazing thing. And you're just not stopping. And I know people who listened up to this point definitely found you valuable. So thank you so much for joining me. Thank you. And good luck with the next 79 years.
0: Yes, that's right. <laughs> awesome.
1: Thank you. I really hope you enjoyed this episode and that it's valuable in your own journey. Do connect with us and remember to join our mailing list at forward slash podcast. And if you haven't subscribed to this show yet, do it now. And if you haven't rated it yet, what? You haven't rated it? Also do it now. My name is Martinus. See you again next week. Thanks for
0: listening. If you're a business owner with cash sitting in a call, notice, fixed deposit, or money market account, SMS the word cash to 47677 or visit investec.com forward slash SME Africa. Someone from our team will call you back and discuss how we can help you grow and maximize the return on your cash.